Good morning, everyone. I greet you in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you've given us to uh, meet together as a family and uh, focus on evangelism. We thank you for your great love for us and for the way, Lord, you've called us out from the darkness into your wonderful light. Lord, we pray that even as we listen to your word, you burden us again. Lord, for the lost, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that, Lord, you will send a revival amongst us in the name of Jesus. Almighty God, as I stand before your people, may you anoint me and hide me behind the cross and may you use me as a vessel. I acknowledge, Lord, that without you, I can do absolutely nothing. Therefore, I pray that, God, you give me the enabling, that, God, you give your people ears to hear, and, Lord, the, the, the willingness of God to be obedient to your call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Bishop Banda, thank you so much for the invitation and the opportunity to be able to minister at this church. Uh, North Mid Assemblies of God Church is a very special church to me. And for reasons that he has mentioned, yes, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about all the things that we've done together, Zafes and World Vision and so on, you know, so I'm extremely delighted, you know, to be here and to be able to minister the word of God. Um... I'd like to say that uh, uh, it's quite amazing uh, because just a week ago, 8th of uh, May, we were in Kitwe, just Sunday, the last weekend, and we were at Maranatha Pentecostal Assemblies of God, and I was preaching at the invitation of uh, Bishop Simusa. Uh, we had been doing some work together over the years and some trainings, and, uh, and, and uh, we went out after, after lunch for evangelism. It was just... Uh, uh, amazing. So let me take a little bit of opportunity to introduce my wife again, Foster. And uh, we've been married now for 34 years as of March. I don't know whether my two colleagues from uh, African Enterprise are here. Uh, Reverend Dr. Bish Brian Mugwidi, are you here? No, I don't see them. Maybe they have not come. But I, I do have two colleagues who have come from uh, African Enterprise to give us support as we prepare for this mission and to reinforce us. Uh, Reverend Dr. Brian Mugwidi from uh, uh, Zimbabwe Harare and uh, Pastor Abel Sotipiri from Malawi. I was expecting them to be here. Let me begin by saying it's true that I'm the chairman of uh, Evangelism Explosion, a wonderful course that all of us need to, to take. And I'd like to say that when I came across it, I think it must have been like 2010, I, I was so full of regret. I said, why didn't I know this all along? You know, because I've never known uh, such an elaborate uh, um, program or, or training, you know, that uh, you, you can use. Yeah, then I would like to say that um, uh, I'm also the African Enterprise team leader for the Southern region. So I'd like to say just a little bit of African Enterprise and then uh, I'll get into the word of God. Amen. So let me just begin by saying 
Uh, it is African Enterprises, an indigenous interdenominational Christian mission ministry committed to evangelizing the cities of Africa through word and deed in partnership with the church. The founder is Dr. Michael Cassidy. It was started in 1962, so we are celebrating uh, uh, um, 60 years. The vision statement is to evangelize the cities of Africa through word and deed in partnership with the church. And up until 2019, Africa Enterprise was only in 10 countries. Those countries you see over there, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Malawi, Tanzania, DRC, Rwanda, Uganda, Kenya, Ethiopia, and Ghana. And Zambia, unfortunately, was not one of those. And I remember going to Malindi in 2017 as we were preparing for the Lusaka Leadership Mission, and I saw for myself uh, what this thing called stratified evangelism was. For 10 days, we're going out, reaching out to uh, different places, as I will be able to illustrate. And 93,000 people reached for the, with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, 10,000 committing their lives to Christ. And as I was coming back and I was saying, well, why were we left out? You know, because it's like uh, they came from South Africa, Zimbabwe, and made a, a turn to Malawi, to, to Tanzania, to DRC, and just left us out. You know, but we've got good news as well. You know, um, in 2019, a new office was, 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 was launched and created. That is the African Enterprise Southern Africa Region, AESAR for short. And, uh, um, you know, because African Enterprise was not in the region, uh, they would come in to, to visit and do ministry. And those are the ones that I see lined up there uh, uh, in 1984, a campus mission, 1989, Lusaka Back to God, and 2017, uh, there was a leadership initiative. But in 2019, uh, African Enterprise started the regional office, and uh, it incorporated Malawi, Zimbabwe, and Zambia for the first time. Amen. <laughs> Not only that, its goal is to reach a million people by the year 2024. We call it Hope for One Million. It is, this region is headquartered in Lusaka. We are right in Ibex Hills, and I'm privileged to lead it as regional team leader, as you've rightly heard. To reach the one million target, we have several missions lined up. We've had two from Zomba in Malawi. This year we are here in Lusaka 2022, and next year we are in, in Lilongwe, and then the following year in Harare. And we are inviting you to those missions. Because we know that when you participate in those missions, you will not be the same again. Amen. This year, we have the Lusaka mission, as I've already said. August 25th to September the 4th. A minimum of 20, uh, sorry, 300 churches. A minimum target reach of 300,000 people. We're expecting 3,000 missionaries, broken down as follows, 2,400 local missionaries. 360 local missionaries from the nine provinces and 240 international missionaries from uh, the other African enterprise offices. But let me say this, there's been pressure to, to increase num the numbers. People want to come and participate in the Lusaka mission. So as I said, we are celebrating 60 years of African enterprise. And the amazing thing is Lusaka has been chosen to be the main celebration. So there'll be celebrations in Africa and uh, in, in Europe, in America, and in Australia, ex uh, celebrating the 60 years. 
But for some strange reason, which I never understood, they decided Lusaka is going to be the center of the main celebration. And I expected you to clap. <laughs> Amen. But also, um, we have the International Council, the highest, board, uh, inter highest decision making body coming to Lusaka as well. But what this has done is those two events have raised the status of uh, the Lusaka mission from just an ordinary local mission to an international status. So we are privileged to do that too. Amen. So our strategy as African enterprise is we call it stratified evangelism. And strata means levels. So when we come into a city, we target different stratas of, uh, of, uh, of, of the community, of the city the top leaders of the city, to the common man, the masses, using all kinds of uh, evangelism strategies. Invitation Sundays, door-to-door -door evangelism, street evangelism, rally and mini crusades, outreaches to schools, colleges, universities, outreaches to clinics, hospitals, markets, prisons, offices, etc. We have a special heart this year for the youths and students. We expect a youth conference and a concert, an outreach to couples, and a children's outreach, meal events, especially for, for, for professionals. They say, um, you know, you don't fish, fish the same way. The big fish, you catch them in a different way. But, but you know, over the years, we began to realize that uh, there's a category of people who sometimes are difficult to reach. You know, the commercial sex workers. So at some point, African Enterprise decided to target them. So there's also what is known as night hunting. You know, you go out in the night looking for these dear ladies so that you can also reach them because they are beloved of the Lord as well. In no Amen. You know, in November, I had a very amazing story. It does illustrate what stratified evangelism is all about. One of the pastors told the team in Kenya, you have left out my people. And uh, when they tried to find out who these people were, guess what? They were the gangsters and armed robbers. So everybody was alarmed. But how do we reach the gangsters and armed robbers? And he was from that background. So he gave them tips. He says, you know, when you go into that compound, what you do is you, um, you put them in an open space. Don't put them in an enclosed place like this one because they will... They'll think you want to have them arrested. And then you should offer them a, a, a cup of tea, a hot cup of tea and a snack. You know, don't use a ceramic cup. Use a metallic cup so that when they drink, you know, they'll have difficulties drinking it because it's hot. And if they drink a little, put, put some more again, you know. And then you have something like 15, 20 minutes to, to minister to them. And that's exactly what happened. Guess what? 14 of them came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 14 of them came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And five of them are pastors. And guess what? They are coming to Lusaka. <laughs> and they've made a special request. They said, when we come to Lusaka, put us in the most difficult place in Lusaka. <laughs> we are taking them to Chimoria. 
We are definitely taking them to Chimwalia. But just as a, as a last one in terms of stratified evangelism, we will also, the whole mission will culminate into a national prayer breakfast to reach the very top leaders of our countries, MPs, top government officials, CEOs, key business leaders. I don't know whether Honorable Malama is here. Yes, we've been working for the last four years to try and have this in parliament and have it institutionalized. Please pray about that, um, that initiative. Also, Sister Elizabeth Okiro, uh, is she around? Well, she's a part of this church. She's one of the people that is leading this national prayer breakfast. In fact, I've handed the organization to her. So we will, together with the husband, brother Stephen Okiro, and we will expect that they'll start recruiting from here as well for those that uh, can, can be able to join us. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Before I do that, actually, I wanted to share with you a, a very interesting word. I learned a word, uh, a Bemba word. It's called amakanta. Uh, did I pronounce it correctly? <laughs> I've been practicing. So somebody asked me, Brother Lubasi, do you know what Amakanta is? And I said, I, I didn't know. You know, I'm lonely and my wife is Bemba, but I'm not doing too good a job. And he tells me, those are locusts. Amen. So we would like to um, reach Lusaka like Lusaka has not been reached before. Work together like we have never reached. Work together before and pray together uh, as we've never reached before. So we expect North Mid Assemblies of God to pray and intercede uh, Lusaka for Lusaka and the Lusaka mission. There's a, there's a battle for the soul of the nation and of the city. You know, we need to start praying. We need to mobilize participants as missionaries, as uh, Bishop has also said, those that can host, those that can give financially, and also be able to give materially. Let's get to the word of God. Luke 19, the verses uh, um, 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your home today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to murmur. He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the son of man 
came to seek and to save the lost. You know, everybody is talking about strategic planning. How many of you are aware of that? You know, you go to government offices, you go to local government offices, NGOs, civil societies. You see that people are planning strategically. You know, you see vision statements. And I love that when I get into offices. You know, I just look at the vision statement, the mission statement, the core values, and it gives you a summary of what this organization, this institution is all about. And you know what? The churches as well have not been left behind. They are also into church, um, I mean, strategic planning. But many times we see a lot of things, the year of double-double, the year of this and the other. You know, so they are, they are trying to, uh, you know, um, have a kind of theme and a direction. The only thing is sometimes I get troubled when I see some of those, those uh, themes because sometimes I feel they, are not, they don't make as much sense and they're not in line, you know, with the, with the core business of the church. So... This begets certain questions. Is there, is strategic planning biblical? Did Jesus have a mission statement? What is the mission of the church? So the question is, did Jesus have a mission statement? What is the mission of the church? These are important questions because sometimes what we see the, the church doing is they are into all sorts of activities other than what God called us to do. Amen. That is true. But you see, the Bible tells us that there was a man called uh, uh, Zacchaeus. The Bible says he was a chief collector, a tax collector, and very wealthy as well. But for some reason, we do not understand, Zacchaeus wanted to see the Lord Jesus Christ very, very badly. And because he was a short man, he realized he had no chance of seeing Jesus with this huge crowd that had gathered around him and was coming into Jericho with him. So he devises a strategy and runs ahead of the crowd, finds a sycamore tree and climbs there. And I, I'm just imagining this man, I don't know what he really wanted, but he seemed to just have this desire, you know, to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe he just wanted to see how he looks like, I don't know. But when, when Jesus comes to the spot under the, under the, the, the tree, the sycamore tree, Jesus actually stops and calls Zacchaeus by name. Amen. You know, he didn't look up and say, hey, you short man, come down. No, he actually called him by name. He knew him. Zacchaeus, come down because today I must stay in your house. Amen. You know, Jesus does some things which are very strange. The first thing he does is he actually does what I call posing a crowd, if you understand what I'm saying. Amen. You have a crowd with you and you decide, I'm going to pause this crowd and say, you guys, you can wait because I have a man to attend to here. How many of us would do that? No, we love crowds in the church. We pastors, bishops, we love crowds. The bigger, the better. But Jesus, I don't understand, decides to pause the crowd and say, guys, you can wait because there's a soul that is ready to repent. And that's what Jesus does. The second thing he does is he puts his reputation on the line. Because these uh, tax collectors were, were seen to be sinners and uh, exploiters and corrupt people. And so 
uh, by going to have a meal with this man, Jesus put his reputation online. But brothers and sisters, the man Zacchaeus began to repent. He says, I'll give half of my possession to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I'll, 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 I'll pay four times the amount. I'm just wondering how much change he was left with. Because if you've given away half, and then you have to pay Canova for, <laughs> I mean, he probably was left with nothing. You know, but the man wanted to repent, and the man wanted to get saved. And Jesus says to him, today salvation is come to this house because you, this man too, is the son of Abraham. Amen. And verse 10 is very interesting because I think Jesus states his mission statement. And this is what he says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Jesus had a reason why he came. Jesus had a mission. And the, and the mission is stated in that statement. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Brothers and sisters, that is the reason why Jesus came to planet Earth. It was to seek and to save the lost. He didn't just come to for tourism. He came specifically to seek and to save the lost. Found in Luke 19. And that is the reason why Jesus also gave his life on the cross. You know, he says he, he, he did not come to save, uh, to be saved, but to save, but, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the reason why he came. And this job of evangelism is that important because the Son of God himself stepped down on planet Earth. It is that important. And we need to give it that uh, primacy and that importance as well. Brothers and sisters, I would like to say he also chose 12 men to ensure that this mission, this purpose would be perpetuated after him. That is why he, he, he called them. And watch very carefully how he speaks to them when he calls them. In Luke, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, this is what he says to them. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That is the reason why he called them. You know, it's interesting. You know the story of uh, Peter in the fishing boat and uh, he was so scared when he saw so many fish. You know that he went down on his knees and says, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. Jesus turns to him and says, don't worry, Peter. From now on, you'll be fishing men. Amen. Amen. Brothers, that is the reason why he chose those 12 men. It was for the great commission. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. He sends them after three years of training. He says, go into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what he says, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you to, to, to observe. And so I ask myself the question, what was Jesus asking them to continue passing on to his people. We see the curriculum already. It was about fishing men. It was about soul winning. And so it is amazing today, as you are going to see, the kind of things that we see in the church today. Let me go to point number four. That is why he established the church. He says, you will, you, you, will, you know, I will establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe the church was actually left 
on planet earth for the, for the purpose of the gospel. The number, five, the number five point is that is why he gave the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is why he gave the Holy Spirit. It was not for us to feel good about ourselves. It was not for us to feel goosebumps. It was not for us even to just merely speak in tongues. It is for us to be witnesses in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And I'm not saying tongue speaking is bad, but I'm just simply saying the purpose is you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and unto the uttermost parts of the world. It is for us to be witnesses. What am I saying, brothers and sisters? I'm trying to make the point that the core evangelism is actually the core business of the church. Amen. Amen. That is the core business of the church. If Christ had to go to these lengths, then this must be at the center of our ministries as a church. You know, we have been moving around uh, the nation in October when the northern province in Luapula and Muchinga are in eight districts, 2,500 kilometers. And part of what we're doing was just to do a quick survey, apart from introducing the Office of African Enterprise, but we also took the opportunity to do some snap surveys just to see where the church is at. Listen very carefully. So we would ask the question, if you were to, uh, to have a social gathering, and I'm going to ask that question to Northmead, if we're going to have a social gathering next Saturday, amen, it will be a couple's fellowship. Is it next week? <laughs> there will be men's braai and there will be food, chickens and everything. What's going to happen next Saturday? Mrs. Katanga says, it will be packed. <laughs> Amen? It will be packed. Everywhere I went, they said, it will be packed. They'll even bring their neighbors. The second week after that one, if you were to call an evangelism outreach program, the following Saturday, same time, 14.30, what is going to happen? Ah. Huh? Ah, church elders. The church elders will be present. Huh? In some places in the northern province, I was told, Pastor, you'll be lucky if you are not alone. <laughs> and brethren, this is supposed to be the core business of the church. And when the bishop calls for evangelism, we have all the excuses in the world. No, I'm going to see my farm. Uh, no, I've got a family problem, etc., etc. But this has been pretty much what is happening in the Zambian church. It's tragic because many of our churches in Zambia have stopped evangelizing. And many of our church leaders, deacons, ministry leaders, don't even know how to share the gospel. Many of our elders have never won a soul to Christ. For many of our pastors, evangelism is not even a priority. I want to make a very quick disclaimer. I'm not talking about North Mid Assemblies of God. I'm talking about those other churches everywhere, okay? Are we together? <laughs> this is what is happening. But there is still other questions that we ask. And I'll ask them, how many of us were saved in the 1970s? 
late 70s, let me see your hands, late 70s, into the early 80s, yeah, can I see your hands, yeah, thank you, into the mid 90s, mid 80s, into the early 90s, let me see, okay, these are the questions we're asking people, then the next question is, what were those days like? Fire, eh? what else? <laughs> Huh? Well, you know what? Very, very interesting. Everywhere we went, I was amazed to see the reactions of the men of God. You'd see facial expressions, big smiles, you know, body language. You know, somebody shouted at Chipeshamanu. <laughs> Those were hot days. They would tell us there was such a passion for evangelism, such a passion for souls. And I said, as soon as somebody got saved, they just wanted to share their faith. They were not very trained or equipped, but they wanted to share their faith. That was something that was characteristic about those days. Listen, listen to what I just, some of the things I heard. We shared the gospel everywhere. They shared the gospel everywhere. They went in the buses, wherever they were, somebody says you'll be walking this side direction. You see some people going this side, you make, immediately make a U-turn because you want to share the gospel. We shared the gospel not because it was a church program. And we distributed trucks. Somebody says, I used to go with trucks at my workplace. Brethren, where are the trucks now? They said we genuinely had a burden for the lost and earnestly desired that they would know our beloved Jesus. I like this. We felt compelled to preach the gospel. Almost driven to preach the gospel. In fact, one bishop in Impica said one time he did not preach the gospel to anybody. He couldn't sleep. Late in the night, he had to wake up and go and look for a soul or two to share the gospel with. Some people would tell you, we would buy tickets from Lusaka to go to Choma, not because we have any business there, but basically because we want to use the opportunity to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those were the days. You know, Bishop Malaika made me laugh in Impika. He says they were so zealous as college students that the principal called them, says, young men, come here, come here, come here. If you want to be pastors, this is not the place we, here we train teachers. So if you want to be pastors, go to the other seminary over there. But that was the zeal of uh, the late 70s and so on. Brothers and sisters, what am I saying? Evangelism is the core business of the church. And if evangelism is the core business of the church, then we as a church must give it priority. We must bring evangelism back to the center of our ministry. If evangelism is the core business, then it must be a culture of our, of, of our ministry. It must become a lifestyle. Every member, would you believe, would, would you acknowledge that if, it is, if evangelism is the core business of the church, then every member should be good at it. Amen? Every member should be good at it. Every member should be equipped for evangelism, so that we are able to go and share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I was hearing a relaunch of ministries, the Couples Fellowship, 
this and that ministry, the men's fellowship, etc., etc. Let me say this. Every ministry must put evangelism at its core, including the bus ministry. It should be traveling to places where it's seeking to bring people into the kingdom. I heard of a couple's fellowship. It is not just for us to have good marriages and enjoy good food. I think it is for us also to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that people that are married, some of them are not saved? That they are not born again? Some of the things you see on television, the marriage is more like a wrestling uh, context than a marriage or a boxing tournament. Why can we not, as couples, also begin to target other couples so that we may begin to bring them into the kingdom of God? So that we can bring them to church, so that we can bring them to Christ. That is the way we should be thinking. Brothers and sisters, in all that I've been trying to say, I've been trying to say just one thing. Evangelism is the core business of the church. Amen. Bishop, I am done. God bless you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me ask us to rise for a moment to ask the choir to come. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for that powerful delivery of God's word. Zulu. We have an invitation from on high. If evangelism is a core business of the church, it means that this is at the top of God's agenda. And he's inviting us. What a privilege. He is inviting us to participate. What shall we do? How shall we respond? While we were in Mongo, we had an engagement with young people as our last session. And a young lady by the name of uh, Princess asked a question which would encapsulate some of what was being shared by our guest here. She had a conversation with her own bishop. And so she said, no, I want to just ask. This is a conversation I had with my bishop this week. She said, what is it that was there then? She's referring to the times that some of these times, the golden uh, 70s and, and 80s. Because I 
started by telling my own story in, in that particular youth engagement. I was saved as a uh, young boy at age 14. So he said, what is it that was there then that's not there now? He says, what, what did you people do which we're not doing now? And what are we doing now which you people were not doing then? Very profound question. And the discussion during that time was centered around what I had called the four C's of um, living a successful Christian life. It all boiled down to the fact that as I tried to address that and I talked about what was different then and what's different now, people, as you heard, we would get saved and just go out. You didn't wait for a sermon. I talked about all that. But I said to Princess that there is hope. One of the key differences, I said to him, just as one of many, I said, Princess, what was not there then and is there today is that we didn't have the gadgets that you now have. They give you an opportunity to have so much screen time So the pressure is increased now. And I said, it's not only the hundreds of hours of screen time you have with these gadgets. It's also the content. The pull that, ha that has on life. The unwholesome entertainment and everything else. And all that is extra pressure on the young generation. But what the revival that was happening then was really a youth movement. So on Friday afternoon, Reverend Gatanga and I and Reverend Nurenda, as we gathered here, we were with the young people, we said again, we are at those times where God is calling us to see the youth take center stage and bring about not just political change, that's fine, but it ain't the ultimate. We are looking for a revolution of young people who will bring about a spiritual change. I said to Princess, this is the hope. What has not changed, I said, Princess, is that the Jesus we met then is still the same Jesus now. And he's the same who has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I sense that we must all ask him to make us his vessels. So we would find a simple way of responding. So with this very, very powerfully delivered challenge today, you and I can respond. And there are simple ways of sharing the gospel. That's part of the trainings that we are doing now. We can start a conversation with anyone at any point and share with them what you've heard today and lead them to a decision for Christ. Let's make that our prayer just now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Make me your vessel. Thank you, Jesus.
And if you're watching, you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, make that commitment as well. And we will do our part. We're training our leaders now. They have a role to train everybody else. We will do our part in obeying the Lord. We want to lead from the front. We want to get back on the streets. We prepared materials, tracts. The kids show how to share the gospel in a very simple way. Each one of us have a pulpit. Primary school, secondary school, um, college, university, in industry. All of us have a pulpit. Let's ask the Lord to make us that vessel. Make me an offering. Jesus. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here. I came here with nothing. At all. All you have given me. Jesus. Jesus, bring you wine out of me. to join the mission of Christ who came to seek and to save that which was lost. Since we are looking at each one of us in this month of May, 
reaching at least two people for Christ. Pray now and ask the Lord and say, Lord, show me somebody. Bring somebody my way. Or help me to find somebody who is seeking and I want to be your vessel. Pray over that now. And make, make that your commitment. Jesus will create the opportunities. It's his mission. He will create an opportunity for Zacchaeus, whom you will notice. And you will have the leading of the Spirit to call that Zacchaeus down. And God will give you the words to bring that Zacchaeus home. To a place of repentance. Receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. May the Lord rekindle something in our hearts as we were encouraged last Sunday by Evangelist Bynes. This is the day. This is the time. Praise God. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, we're in the presence of Jesus. In case there's somebody here who's never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity now to receive him. Will you please raise your hand if you're saying, Bishop, I want to be born again. I see myself as among those whom Jesus came to seek and to save. I want to receive him today. Please raise your hand so we can identify you. And help you. Is there anybody here today? Physically here in the church and you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Lord is here. He loves you. He wants to pull you to himself. And if you're watching remotely from somewhere, message is the same for you. God loves you. So right where you are, you can respond to him. And you can make that indication by inboxing us using whatever platform you have utilized to join this service. And we will send you help. The Lord is able. You can confess your sins. You can accept him as Lord and Savior. You can ask him and say, Lord, come into my heart. And he will do exactly that. Your life will never be the same again. Praise God. So Lord, we reach out to those who may be out there, who may be in that state you will guide them and grant them the leading because your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and for every one of us here today thank you for this awesome deposit into our hearts and lives and thank you Lord for the opportunity to join your mission consider this a privilege we just pray that you will grant us the sensitivity to never take this as business as usual. And forgive us for the times when we've been laxed and have not minded what you are concerned about as your agenda. Grant us the cleansing we need. And we're ready to just do the right thing. So we welcome invitation from you dear lord through jesus our lord and our savior we pray with thanksgiving amen hallelujah give it up for jesus praise god you may kindly be seated